0: welcome to The History Hotline, the hottest line for all things black history and beyond. Hello everyone, welcome to episode 79 of The History Hotline. My name is Deanna Lynn Cook and as always I'll be your host today. Now today's episode, patty versus patty. You might be thinking, well what are we talking about today? But of course, the Jamaican food, the patty. Something delightful, something absolutely wonderful and something that if you haven't tried you definitely should. But also I guess this episode then comes with a warning if you're hungry to maybe have some food before you listen because we'll be talking about food once again. I thoroughly enjoyed at Christmas um, doing kind of food histories um, and when I was researching this food in particular I found out about a case in Canada, patty versus patty. Um, A case of actual litigation over a patty Um, and I kind of wanted to share that story. It's a light-hearted history this week. I think the news cycle has been somewhat um, upsetting and harrowing in many different ways. Um, So I thought we'd have something brighter, something maybe to make you feel a bit hungry. Sorry about that, but I hope you enjoy it anyway. Thanks for tuning in. So what is a patty? Uh, Jamaican beef patty is a baked, flaky, um, turmeric yellow coloured pastry, um, sometimes made with suet um, and it's stuffed with a filling, normally beef, but um, sometimes chicken, vegetable, lobster, shrimp, cheese, cheese and beef, lamb, ackee, um, which is Jamaica's National Dish, um, and there is an episode on that if you haven't really listened. Or more frequently and recently, um, bacon and cheese. Um, So patties can be filled with anything, but traditionally and typically it's beef, minced beef at that. Um, It can be enjoyed for breakfast, lunch, dinner, snack, supper, if you're hungry on the road, if you're hungry at home, whatever time of day. That's why it's kind of the perfect food, because there's not a time where it's not suitable um, and you could have maybe certain flavours at certain points of the day to kind of fill the gap you have. Um, in Jamaica, they're available from street vendors, in restaurants um, and petrol stations even, and the fillings that are in them have evolved from, as I said, the original beef, but, you know, I don't think the patty filling variations have stopped there I think as time goes on we'll see more innovative and creative um, things to fill a patty with Um, they are often eaten as a full meal sometimes inside cocoa bread which is a really soft dough um, and that's you know makes a meal sometimes they're made into smaller sizes called cocktail patties and they're bite-sized normally might be used um, at a party or something like that and as I said, knowing that this food is um, from Jamaica is going to have a lot of flavour. And that flavour, primarily when we're thinking about beef, comes from a host of seasonings, but also the Scotch bonnet pepper, which is a pepper indigenous to Jamaica. And kind of, I think it summarises the idea that the patty reflects Jamaica's like long history in a sense of it encompasses a lot of different cultures and the history of it coming from Britain um, as a Cornish pasty initially, it is based off the Cornish pasty um, and has obviously developed from there into a patty with um, a really heavily seasoned and flavorful beef filling, um, which is seasoned with things like curry powder and those things would have come from populations that have migrated in, like from India or from China um, or from populations of enslaved people from Africa. And so it's a kind of amalgamation of all these migrations and, you know, they make up this really significant food that's suitable for every point of the day, um, which is why it's just so wonderful. The patty originated in Jamaica, but it has become more popular overseas, especially where Jamaican people have migrated and opened bakeries um, and set it up within communities that have a large number of Jamaican and Caribbean people. So the UK, you know, it's pretty easy to get patty in the UK. The USA, and Canada as well be notable places that you could probably find a patty. And I'm sure many other corners of the world. Um, now, Canada. Canada is a country in question today and I don't think we've done, I don't think I've mentioned Canada on this podcast. So if you're listening from Canada, hello, how do you do? This is your time to shine in the patty v patty case, 1985 Toronto, um, which I think might be the first moment of litigation against the patty um, in Canada or anywhere in the world. Kensington Patty Palace, owned by Ray and Pat Davidson in Kensington Market in Toronto, Canada. They were away in Jamaica while their son, Michael Davidson, manager at the time, was looking after the patty shop. His parents had a bakery in Jamaica, Kingston, where they sold patties, and when they migrated to Canada, when Michael was 14 years old, they opened a bakery there. But in February 1985, the Patty Palace was visited by a food inspector with the federal government's Department of Consumer and Corporate Affairs. They said this establishment, along with many other establishments in Toronto, are illegally selling a product under the name patty. They were told they were violating a law and that this had to change. They had to change the name of their patty to something else because it was violating a code within pre-existing food standards, the Federal Meat Inspection Act to be precise, which said a patty is only defined as shaped lean beef ground or boneless and may contain seasonings but no other ingredients including flour or any other fillers are permitted to be added to a food item under that labelling. They believed, they being the food standards people from Consumer and Corporate Affairs, they believed that there would be confusion between the patties made at Kensington Patty Palace which were the Jamaican patties, pastry with meat or another kind of filling inside um, and hamburger patties which obviously um, are just, you know, ground beef um, made to be inside of burger buns as a hamburger. Um, As they were encased in pastry, that is the Jamaican patty, they weren't allowed to be called a patty in line with food standards because of protections, essentially, to protect hamburgers from being filled with, like, kind of crappy fillers of, like, things to kind of um, stretch, like the mints, to make more hamburgers of lower quality. So there was a food standard to protect the quality of hamburgers. And this was infringing upon their rights, the rights of this bakery, this Jamaican bakery, to make a patty and sell it under the name of patty. Um, They suggested new names, for example, a Caribbean pocket, a meat turnover, um, and food standards gave them three months to make a change or said they would face a 5,000 Canadian dollar fine. Now, what kind of ridiculous situation to put these people in is this? So Michael stressed and slightly agitated as he would be, thought, you know, let's figure out how much it would cost to change product names, business names, and all the marketing, you know, literally down to the patty bags that held the patties that said Kensington Patty Palace. Um, And they figured out it would cost around $10,000 to actually make all these changes which in theory the fine made more financial sense and more importantly their reputation was already built up around the name kensington patty palace you know when we think about branding marketing it's really important to stick with a name because it's the name that customers you know go to they they might recommend you to someone and if they recommend kensington patty palace and kensington patty palace is now kensington hot pocket caribbean hot pocket palace you know People might not actually know to go there. They'd built up a really strong customer base under that name. They had a great reputation in the community, um, which, when you're selling food, is so important, especially for something as nostalgic as a patty for Jamaican people. You know, they're in Canada. They're far from home. Canada gets really cold. Patties can be really warm, and they can really fill your stomach. And there is such—I um, can imagine—a feeling of of nostalgia, of, of warmth biting into a warm flaky pastry and the fillings spilling out in your mouth and burning the side of your lip but you continue anyway because they're just that good that's what patty does to you and the fact that they were suggesting you know they had to kind of basically break down and potentially destroy their whole business which these people um this family had kind of moved to canada and built up and spent so much time and money building up just seems ridiculous over something as silly as a name um I just don't understand the kind of bureaucracy, I guess, of something so silly when nobody in their right mind is going to a patty shop for a hamburger, you know? Nobody confuses that. That's just the last two things I'd confuse on this earth. Michael was pretty much up against it um, and had to meet with food standards um, to try and appeal. But most of the people um, that he kind of spoke to You know, outside of the situation, um, customers, friends, they just thought it was ridiculous. And it was their ignorance, food standards ignorance, that, you know, suggested they didn't know what a patty was and that it happened to share a name with a product that had to meet those food standards. So they appealed to the press. They had a journalist called Colin Vaughan that used to visit the patty shop quite regularly. And he was a journalist for City Pulse News. So he accepted and decided to tell their story on the news. And this led to articles being written by the Toronto Sun and the Toronto Star. The support was pouring in, you know, this absolute ridiculous kind of law and the implications it was having on this small Jamaican business was felt by the community and they were calling in to show support and just kind of say how ridiculous it all was. Um, the theory started as to why it was happening Jokingly, but to some extent, kind of a little bit um, pointing to the kind of insidious tone that the small Jamaican business, as I mentioned, was being targeted in such a massive way. Um, and, you know, if they had won the case and they'd been fined £5,000 or they'd been forced to change their name, um, it could have led to the business completely collapsing. This And this is people's livelihood. So it was bigger than just, you know, oh, just a patty shop or just the name of a food this is, would have set precedence for other patty shops, you know. It would have really had an impact on the way that Jamaican culture was being received in Canada. Um, it's bigger than just the patty, shall we say. Some people felt that maybe the patty shop was doing too well, so they were targeted. Um, but most importantly, kind of with all of this, you know, rumours and theories aside, was the fact that there was so much community support there. People were shocked, absolutely flabbergasted that there could be any confusion with the beef patty and, you know, the beef patty, the Jamaican beef patty, the pastry, and then the patty that goes inside of a burger. Um, you know, as I said, you get one of them at burger joints, you get the other one at Jamaican bakeries, simple as that. Um, even in Toronto, which was becoming... Quite cosmopolitan in the 1980s. It was cool and it was trendy to be down with Jamaican food and Jamaican culture. So people knew exactly what was what. You know, they knew a patty was a patty and a burger was a burger that was made from a patty. I don't know why they're called patties. We don't do that, call them that in England, do we? They're just burgers. It's like a maybe burger patty. I don't know. But I don't think that's a British thing. But still, regardless, people knew the difference and food standards were being pedantic and ridiculous. Um and the fact that there were also other bakeries that this would impact, other Caribbean bakeries in the area in Toronto that it would have an impact on meant that, you know, it really would have been crushing the livelihoods of a lot of Jamaican people. Right, so later on, you know, the inspector comes back to visit Michael in Kensington Patty Palace. Um and he's like, they're like, how far have you come? You know, have you started making the necessary changes? Amongst says, absolutely not. We will not be following that regulation. We will not be changing any of our names. But we will let you know that resistance is building. Um, so, you know, they were likely threatened again with this looming $5,000 fine. But they were standing firm. They were not going to butch. And then things got a little bit techie. Um, they got a bit political because Brian Mulroney, who was Prime Minister of Canada at the time, was due to visit Jamaica for a conference. Um, and that would have been hosted by the then Jamaican president, Edward Siaga. Now, the Canadian government knew what was happening with these patty wars. And they didn't want there to be a big fuss with the name of the patty in Jamaica. Um, especially knowing that Michael's parents are Jamaican, and well, Michael's Jamaican as well, and the patty palace is a Jamaican business, and so many other patty shops or Jamaican businesses. You know, they did not want a kind of international diplomatic saga. And so the Jamaican council ended up getting involved, the consul, sorry, Um, because so many people in Jamaica were calling them and letting them know what was happening to their, you know, favourite patty shop in Jamaica. So Oswald Murray, who was the consul general of Jamaica to Toronto during the time this was happening, was inundated with calls um, from as high up as government in Jamaica to, you know, the ordinary man and woman that wanted to know what was going on and why it was happening. Um, they wanted to know why their heritage, in the form of this delightful foodstuff, was being targeted. Um, And, you know, this is all kind of happening when the Prime Minister was due to visit Jamaica and the kind of Canadian government are getting more and more worried about (laughs) Jamaica's reaction and the fact that this could cause a scene. Um, So they had to start making, taking action. Now, it feels like at this point, Kensington Palace is kind of like, not a pawn, because... You know, they are very much in control of the situation and what happens next, but they're kind of just become part of a wider issue here. Um, So, a man called Lloyd Perry is called upon by the Council General, Consul General um, of Jamaica to Toronto, Oswald Murray that was, um, and he calls on Lloyd because of the kind of work he's done as official guardian of Ontario, he does a lot of community service work within the community, which is... Um, you know, got a significant number of Caribbean people in it. Um, and he agrees to support this movement and this kind of resistance to these ridiculous food standards. Well, those food standards are ridiculous. The labelling of this food is ridiculous um, and agrees to provide kind of legal aid and to help fight. But as we mentioned, the biggest concern was of Prime Minister Mulroney's visit to Jamaica because he did not want it to be a big deal. Um, so basically, once he was there, it needed to be wrapped up as soon as possible so that it wouldn't cause a big kind of diplomatic scene. So Lloyd kind of sprung into action and went to organise a meeting with Consumer and Corporate Affairs, who first visited Kensington Patty Palace and Michael, as well as other patty manufacturers and vendors in the area. So Michael was tasked with calling these people, asking them if they wanted to join the meeting. A lot of them said, we're fully behind you um, absolutely will back you all the way it was supporting the work you're doing um, and the meeting went ahead now before we get to that meeting um, because the meeting kind of sums up everything that happens and we finally get to a conclusion of this patty versus patty litigation trial you know situation saga now david peterson is premier of toronto um, and he comes to visit Kensington Patty Palace, hearing what's gone on. um, And it's a bit of a PR stunt, really. It's a photo op. He brings cameras on camera. He buys patties for the whole crew and his team. I'll get one in for everyone. Yay! Um, But he went on the record saying, some bureaucrat's gone wild up there and is trying to change the whole cultural makeup of this particular culinary phenomenon to conform with some regulation. And that doesn't make any sense. And he went on record on live, well, not live telly, but you know, live on camera, saying all this and ordering patties for everyone. Um, and so, this kind of you know brings great publicity, even more publicity because it's already been quite a lot. Um, and this kind of boost in publicity launches a story further into Jamaica, and it actually ends up as the opener, the um, headline, front cover page story of the Sunday Gleaner in Jamaica. Um, which is like the main newspaper. And Michael's parents are in Jamaica at this point, and they, on the 17th of Feb, 1985, open their Sunday front-page paper and the headlines, Canada bans patties. And Michael had to explain after a phone call, you know, to his parents what was happening, why he was going up against the government, why they were coming for him and the family small business, um, they were of course as outraged as he was and confused and just thought it was nonsense, but told him, you know, you're doing exactly the right thing, you're well supported by us in Jamaica and to keep fighting. And finally, on the 19th of February 1985, that meeting happened. Officials from Consumer and Corporate Affairs and representative from the Patty Vendors met, as well as Michael Davidson, um, and all the other people that kind of been involved with this case and they reached a compromise. The compromise was that the patty would be identified as the Jamaican patty. After the so-called patty summit, as, you know, that meeting was dubbed, they decided that it would be the Jamaican patty. Um, And Kensington Patty Palace would not have to change its name, or order new marketing materials, or just change everything about their patty shop that was kind of good and great and reputable within the community. Kensington Patty Palace um, and the Davison family went on to celebrate, you know, in the store, culminating the patty wars on February 23rd, 1985. They went on to great business success, opened up many more patty shops and actually began to take the patties that they were making in Canada and import them back to Jamaica to actually sell them there as well. That's how popular those patties were. Um, and it's just kind of really thankful that, you know, something as silly as that litigation didn't stop them. So Patty Wars, The Controversy, um, actually made it into a documentary, which is why I know anything about it. Um, it was a CBC documentary that came out this year. Um, and, you know, Michael Davidson was interviewed. Um, it was kind of dramatised as well. It's really, really good. It's available on YouTube called Patty vs. Patty. So this is kind of my, I guess, my reaction and my retelling of that story with a little bit of the history of the patty in there as well. So I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Um, Something a little bit lighter for this week, um, but we'll probably dive into something heavier next week. So thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful week. Goodbye. If you've enjoyed this episode please tell a friend to tell a friend to continue the conversation about black history head over to our social media platforms at the history hotline on instagram and at the history hl on twitter